And welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us today. Well, industry leaders say fertilizer prices are easing, but farmers are facing volatility on other fronts, both regulatory and financial. The good news is some relief on fertilizer costs. Fertilizer Institute head, Corey Rosenbush. Fertilizer prices have come down. Farmers have definitely taken a wait-and-see approach as we approach the spring planting season. European nitrogen plants have restarted. China has slowly begun uh, exporting product. Russia trade flows have shifted and actually had a record year of exports last year. While fertilizer demand on high-planted acres and low stocks will remain strong. On the flip side are interest rates. This exchange between Iowa Republican Representative Randy Feenstra and American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval. Interest rates are crushing, and our young farmers, uh, whoever they might be, are going to feel the blunt of that worse than they've ever seen before if it continues to rise. I agree 100%, and there's no end in sight right now. And the feds have said this, that they don't know where this rate increases are going to end. And then there's regulation, including the new Biden EPA Waters of the U.S. or WOTUS rule. Our farmers feel like a ping pong ball going back and forth from one side of the table to the other, not being able to make long-term decisions based on what evidence we have. This new rule that came out in December... It took it from a rule that was clear that we could understand to making it just muddy as muddy water. All that and a huge looming budget fight over soaring debt, deficits in interest rates, and farmers and farm bill writers could be facing a perfect storm in 2023. Well, more perspective now on fertilizer prices trending lower. Jason Trundle, an economist with the Fertilizer Institute, says they are seeing a lower trend. We are seeing that kind of start to come down. I mean, really since I think last September or October, both P and K prices have been trending down. And then I think since a little before the end of the year, nitrogen prices have come down and and they continue to come down a little bit now. So overall, I think we're just experiencing some general softness in demand and fingers crossed things have maybe stabilized a little bit on the supply side, which is all helpful in and of itself. An improvement on the supply side is a good thing because farmers haven't had a lot of stability there for a couple of years. No, we definitely have not. And so there seems like there was kind of one thing after the other. So there's still different things that are definitely weighing on the market currently, particularly, for example, on the nitrogen side, we've seen natural gas prices globally, especially in Europe, come back down into a little bit more of a normal range on the mild winter um, and the reduction in demand that was needed for heating and, and, and such like that. So I think all of that has, for the most part, has kind of helped. Commodity prices are still helping farmers acquire the inputs they need for this spring. We still see fairly robust and fairly strong output prices. And so when you look at kind of the ratio of output prices relative to fertilizer specifically as an input, I think that's still in a manageable range. And so I think there would be a floor. I say all that just to say that despite maybe softening a little bit in demand, we would expect that a lot of that product would still get put out based on the strong commodity markets that we're seeing. And Trundle says it's hard to know for sure if prices will continue lower. I think it's really difficult to make that prediction of exactly where it's going to go. Everybody wants to time it at the bottom of the trough, which is very difficult often to do. I mean, I think the things that we're continuing to watch that would indicate where it goes, obviously, are are those raw input costs. And so where does sulfur on the phosphate side, phosphate rock on the phosphate side, as well as, of course, natural gas on the ammonia side, if pressure keeps coming off those, I think that will help. It takes a little while for that to translate all the way through the market, of course. And then, you know, are there going to be any other significant geopolitical or trade disruptions? Again, that's Jason Trundle with the Fertilizer Institute. 
Well, one of the main metrics for railway service quality is unfilled grain car orders. A number of cars a shipper ordered but didn't receive. Danny Munch, American Farm Bureau Federation economist, says the data shows shippers are waiting a long time to get the grain cars they need. So far in 2023, average weekly unfilled grain car orders, one or more days overdue, have numbered over 16,000 a week. That's up 54% from last quarter and 54% the same magnitude from quarter one of last year. Of those record unfilled orders, one or more days overdue, almost 75% remain 11 or more days overdue. Munch says winter weather is the biggest challenge currently. Most of the issues we're seeing in unfilled orders are concentrated in the upper Midwest in states like North Dakota and Minnesota. The region has faced intense snowstorms in the first part of the year, which makes moving those cars more difficult. Those weather events are usually more short term, and we hope those subside as spring comes along. And he adds labor is another hurdle for railways. Most railroads are still below pre-pandemic employment levels by about 3 to 5 percent, which makes it difficult for them to increase capacity. Luckily, though, those numbers are still getting better, still better than the 10 percent below that they were about a year ago. And in order to improve service quality, they really need to be fully staffed and growing. You can read more on the Market Intel page at fb.org. Well, states seeking year-round E15 may request an emergency waiver for the 2023 summer driving season. The Environmental Protection Agency announced a proposal this week to allow year-round E15 in states that requested the waiver. However, the proposal delays implementation of the rule until 2024. Poet Energy spokesperson Joshua Shields says the proposal left unresolved concerns about access to the renewable fuel blend in 2023. Shields added, quote, the lack of near-term certainty underscores the urgent need to ensure E15 sales are not interrupted, end quote. Now, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds responded saying, quote, while long overdue, I am thrilled that the EPA has approved our multi-state bipartisan RVP waiver request that will pave the way for year-round E15 and bring certainty to the industry, end quote. Now, however, regarding the delay, Reynolds added, quote, I look forward to requesting another emergency waiver for this year, while at the same time asking the courts to require the administration to grant our request immediately. Well, new data from USDA's Economic Research Service shows that between fiscal years 2018 and 2022, Mexico accounted for nearly 14% of all U.S. agricultural exports. With a total value of $28 billion, Mexico is projected to be the United States' second largest destination for U.S. agricultural exports in fiscal year 2022 and is forecast to reach 15% in 2023. On average, Mexico purchased $6.5 billion in U.S. grains and feeds per year from 2018 to 2022, accounting for 18% of the largest export commodity group. Demand for grains and feed has been spurred by the expansion of Mexico's cattle industry and growing consumption of animal products. However, the report does not consider the future impacts of Mexico's decree banning imports of genetically engineered corn. Meanwhile, between 2018 to 2022, Mexico's imports of livestock, poultry, and dairy products represented an average of 18% of total U.S. exports and accounted for $6.3 billion in sales. And finally, here on this episode of American Ag Today, we see that the USDA last week announced LaTanya Davis as its first chief diversity and inclusion officer. Davis will lead USDA in its ongoing efforts to improve diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, and will oversee the implementation of USDA's first ever DEIA strategic plan. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack says, quote, Davis has demonstrated a strong commitment to hiring and developing a workforce that reflects the rich and diverse tapestry of America, end quote. 
That is going to do it for this episode of American Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network, I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you and yours a great rest of your day.